Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. But tonight I want to go to something that I think will be a help to us, especially as we continue understanding. We're going to really be reminded of it on that first Sunday in March as we do our anniversary Sunday of just the goal of our church. And the goal of our church, number one, to glorify God. Number two, to see people trust Christ as Savior. And that should be the goal of every Christian. And so tonight we're going to look at this idea of reaching one. I want you to finish the phrase, all right? Your parents might have taught you this. They taught me when I was little, they said this, every penny saved is a penny earned. Every penny saved is a penny earned. Of course, that statement is a statement that teaches at a young age, really bad would, uh, of one penny. And I know when we were little growing up, my dad would, uh, we'd be walking by and we'd walk by a penny or a dime on the ground. And, you know, as a little kid, you kind of walk by and it's a penny, you know, and you pick it up because you're excited as a kid. It's a penny. But once you hit like 10 or 11 years old, you're like, eh, it's just a penny. I don't want to bend over and just, I don't want to spend all that energy for a penny. Now, if it was a $100 bill, yeah, I'd pick that up. But you know what? When you're little, <clears throat> when you're little, you really see the significance of one penny. But as you get older, that kind of goes away. And so I want, to, I want to remind us tonight the significance of one, not just one penny, but of one. Really, the importance of one transcends all items. I think about a number of years ago, the Tennessee Titans were playing in the Super Bowl, and they lost the Super Bowl by one yard. They were one yard short of the last play to win the Super Bowl, one yard. I think about how you can hear about a a car wreck and how one seatbelt saved a life or one airbag saved a life. I think about the Brazilian wandering spider. The Brazilian wandering spider, with one bite from this spider, you will die, guaranteed. Or you can go to Australia and find the Indolent Taipin spider. I think that's the one that after you get bit by that spider, you have a minute to live or something like that. Kids love one more scoop of, adults love one more scoop of ice cream. Just one more scoop. The importance of one. You talk to a farmer and they'll tell you that one storm or one really hot day, one really cold day can ruin an entire season of crops. But it's just one day. It's just one storm. It's the importance of one. Tonight I want us to look at this and and learn the importance of one in regards to the importance of one person. We're going to be challenged with tonight is reaching one. And at the end of the night, I want to challenge you, and I'm going to give it to you right now. I want you to think about one person, one person that you'll pray for and try to witness to this year. You say, oh, there's 10 months left in the year. That's right. One person, the importance of one. You have your Bible, if you were there in Mark 5. We won't stand for the entire reading. I'm going to read the whole story. And tonight will be a little bit different. We're going to teach through the story in Mark 5, and then I'm going to give you five things that will help us in reaching our ones. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, it says this, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, so Jesus was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man 
with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Real quick, just setting up the story. Really, verse number 8 would take place in between verse 6 and verse 7. That the demon-possessed man notices Jesus. Jesus says, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And then the man says, I cry aloud. And so that's why, why you see the four, or because he had said unto him. Verse number nine. And he, Jesus, asked him, the demon-possessed man, and the demon specifically, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were there nigh uh, unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see, so the people went out to see what, uh, see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they, saw, and they that saw it told them how it befell him, befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him, to pray or beg Jesus to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil, with the devil prayed him that he might be with him, howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he, the demon-possessed man, departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I want to ask you tonight just to ask the Lord when we pray, ask him to help you and to help me tonight to receive the challenge on, on reaching one person, just one. Let's pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Just ask you to commit the time to the Lord and ask God to speak to your heart tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you use it to speak to us. And I pray that you would speak through your word with your spirit tonight and help us to see the significance of the ones that are around us. Bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you come to Mark 5, it's a very familiar story. Of course, I've preached this a number of times. I, I think I preach it once every year, every other year, when we come down to the month of September and are into the city outreach. I just love, I love the significance of this story, and we'll see it in just a minute. But I just want to kind of rehearse what took place and then give you these five th five keys that will help us reaching our one. Of course, Jesus, if you know a little bit of the story, Jesus has just finished uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He would finish the Sermon on the Mount. He would get on a boat. 
and go to the other side. Shortly after this story, Jesus would go back to the area of Capernaum and would, what would take place was the message we saw on Sunday, the healing of Jairus' daughter. That would take place just right after, a couple days after this in, in Luke chapter number 8. But previously, to the coast, and that's what would take place where we were at on Sunday in, in Luke chapter number 8. But previous to this, Jesus has been speaking the Sermon on the Mount. He's been very proactive in, in ministry in Capernaum. He's seen God do a lot. I mean, you can go where we're actually going to be at this Sunday in Luke chapter number seven uh, with, the, with the centurion and the servant of the centurion, how Jesus healed that centurion's servant. All of that has taken place and, and Jesus is just really being used of God. And of course, his ministry is expanding. He's seen miracles take place and really Jesus is very, very busy at this time. He's busy accomplishing and busy doing. And yet we see that in Mark chapter four, it says the same day, so the day of the uh, feeding the five thousand, or excuse me, the day of the uh, um, Sermon on the Mount, that same day he went and said unto them, let us pass over into the other side. And so Jesus is busy in ministry, and yet he takes time to travel from the west side of the Sea of Galilee to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, to the area of Decapolis, the area of 10 cities. Jesus gets over there, and right when he gets off the boat, we find that he's met with a demon-possessed man. Luke recounts for us that there were actually two there, but uh, Mark specifically looks at the life of one. This one meets him and falls down before him, and Jesus says, come out from among them, and, and what's your name? Well, my name is Legion, for we are many. And we find out that this man, he wasn't just crazy, he was in fact demon-possessed. And, and really, he was at the point that nobody could help him. You go and you look at the verses, verse number four, or verse three and four is his dwelling were in the tombs, and you couldn't bind him, no, not with chains. They had tried, but he had plucked them asunder, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the caves and in the tombs. What was he doing? He was crying and cutting himself with stones. I mean, here's a man who's in a very, very hopeless situation, and then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and we read there the miracle of casting out these demons, this legion, uh, probably 2,000 or more demons that are inside of this man, and we'll see that in just a second. Cast them out, the swine go over, I won't give you the suicide joke, or deviled ham, never mind. I won't tell you all those jokes, but you know what? They, the uh, swine go over the cliffside, and, and I've been to that area where you can see these mountains where they think some of this took place, and it's just amazing to think that, that that's actually what took place there, and the swine just go over, and then you would think that those who are taking care of the swine uh, would maybe be excited for the man, and that the city, the people there would be excited for the man, but they're not. They come out, and what do they do? They beg Jesus to leave. Well, Jesus submits to that and he leaves and the uh, man who was possessed says, can I go with you? And they say, Jesus says, no, but go tell people. And so verse 20, he leaves and he begins to publish all that God had done for him. It's a great story. It's a phenomenal story. Really, it's a great picture of salvation for us, that salvation is that which we cannot cure in ourselves, that we have to have God, and God shows up and saves us, completely changes us, right? Corinthians says that the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And so really, Mark 5 is a great picture of the miracle of salvation in every one of our lives. But what I want to focus in on tonight is why did Jesus go through all of the trouble that he did for one person? 
I see Christ going through a lot to reach one person. And I want us to notice tonight that if we are going to reach the ones in our life, there's some things that have to take place. I want you to notice, first of all, if we're going to reach one tonight, we need to understand that we should not get distracted by busyness. If you're going to reach the ones in your life, don't get distracted by busyness. I said it a second ago, but Jesus, he's really busy at the time of this passage. And actually, if you were to go through, and and we've done it before, we did it back in 2014, went through the life of Christ, and we see everything building up to this, and Jesus is very successful and busy in ministry. He's seeing all of these things take place, and he's seeing multitudes of people come to him. Actually, it's recorded just before Jesus would leave. Uh, This is what you find in Luke 7. Then came his mother and his brethren to him and could not come at him for the press. So before Jesus ships out and goes to the other side, uh, before that, uh, right after that time of the Sermon on the Mount, man, the multitudes are just uh, uh, going to Christ. They're surrounding him, and that that press is what we read there. So we can gather from this that there's a lot of people around him. He has a lot going on, but what does he do? He leaves all of the busyness of ministry, the busyness of success, and he travels through a storm in Mark 4. He gets on the ship, goes through the storm, deals with faithless disciples, defeats the demons, is disliked by the townspeople, gets back on a ship just to go right back where he came from, and he only reaches one. You know what he did? He disregarded the busyness that was surrounding him. You know, the busyness of life and all that was taking place in the life of Christ, it did not stop him from heading out to reach the one. You know, sometimes our schedule is our enemy when it comes to reaching ones around us. We pass people by who need us to speak with them about the Lord. We miss opportunities with those we know. We push conversations down the road, and we do it all in the name of busyness. Well, I'll get to that later. I'll talk to them when I have more time. I'll mention that when I'm not so busy. All of these comments and so much more are often just excuses because we think we're too busy to speak to someone. Can I tell you tonight, if we're going to reach the ones around us that the Lord desires for us to speak to, then we can't get distracted by busyness. Yes, there are times that the timing isn't right. We all understand that. But I would venture to say that there are more times when the timing is right and we're just too busy. I'll use her, and I don't mean to embarrass her, but I got to take Lena with me on this trip. And this year, the Lord's enabled it where I can take a child with me on three of the trips I'm doing and just gives me a little more time with them. And um, Hannah didn't want to travel with me. I don't know why. Maybe we need some counseling, but... No, it enabled us to go and take, take the kids. And so this week, I was able to take Lena with me to Lancaster. And I was really convicted We were leaving multiple places. On the flight there, 
we were sitting next to a gentleman, and this has only happened to me twice in the entire time I've ever flown, which is a lot, that we're sitting next to this man, and he was doing his thing, and we were doing ours. I was reading, and she's doing homework, and we're coming down to landing, and I leaned over, and uh, you know, he had put down his paper and stopped reading and kind of just sat there for a second, so there was a moment, and I just leaned over and said, hey, what's your name? And he gave me his name. I said, so where are you from? He said, oh, well, I'm from a little town in eastern Washington. I said, really, what town? He said, I'm from Moses Lake. <laughs> I went, you're kidding. I said, me too. And he looked at me like, you're lying. He's, you know, he's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know. And Lena looked at him, and she just looked at him. She looked at me, and she's like, oh, you know, and, and he got like, oh, they're serious. And I said, where do you live? He said, oh, I live down in Cove West. I said, oh, you know where the Upper Basin Homes are? You know where Home Depot is? I said, I, I used to live up there, pastor a church up there. You know where, uh, and I told him kind of, I said, you know where the Confluence Health is? That, that's our house, just a few blocks. Oh, yeah, I've lived there for years. And his wife's in the seat behind me. They didn't sit together. Maybe they need counseling too. I don't know. But uh, they're there. And, and I began to talk with this gentleman, and we were able to give him a track, Lena and I. And then from then on, I just noticed because every time we would talk, we would talk in a conversation with somebody, we would maybe get two sentences in, and Lena would turn to me and she'd go, Dad, Dad. You know, they're standing right there. She'd go, Dad, 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 Dad. I'd go, what, Lena? She's like, give him a track. Dad, give him a track. I'd say, I will, just, just not yet. I'm like, no, not yet, just wait. We, I, we literally just said hello, you know, and... And we began, you know, we'd give out some tracks. But you know what was awesome to me is on the way back, we were ordering coffee at a little little coffee place inside one of the uh, air, airport terminals. And Lena came up, and, and sh- I had ordered a coffee and shared a little bit with her, and she is finishing it. And, and we had left. And we had left and not given the lady behind the counter a track. And I think just in busyness, I just kind of kept going. And she came up and she went, Dad, you didn't give her a track. And I said, okay. And I pulled the track out and I gave it to her. You know what she did? She just turned right around, walked up, grabbed two and gave it to the two ladies behind the counter. And she said, hey, we just want to give this to you. And it tells you how you can know Jesus. You know what? I, I kind of just stood there and I thought, how convicting that is. I let the busyness of travel. Oh, I just, I got, even though I didn't have anywhere to go. My plane wasn't leaving. You know what we do sometimes? We let busyness stop us. We let it distract us. And maybe it's not the excuse of I'm too busy. It's just our mind is too busy that we forget God brings ones across our path all the time. If we're gonna reach the ones around us, number one, don't get distracted by busyness. Number two, Be willing to deal with people's issues. If we're going to reach the ones around us, we've got to be willing to deal with people's issues. Let me tell you very quickly, tonight, this man, we know from the passage, he was demon-possessed. But he wasn't possessed with seven demons like Mary Magdalene was. He was possessed by a legion of demons. This would be at least 2,000. Some teach in, the, uh, in Roman and Greek history that it could be six to 7,000 demons inside of this man. But we know there was at least 2,000. Why? Because there was 2,000 swine that went over. All right, so we could lean on that. But 
If you look at this man, he's possessed by these demons, and he's not possessed like the boy who was just throwing himself in the fire. No, this man is possessed, and it's literally ruining every aspect of his life. The Word of God would tell us that he has no clothes on. He's running around naked. He's bloody and bruised. He's suicidal. He's been living in tombs. He's intrigued by death. He's been chained up, but he's broken those chains. He's been running wild and free for as many as long as people could remember. This was a man who could not be under control. Matthew would tell us that he would often, with another demon-possessed man, would run at people screaming and going crazy. Would ch- That's how Matthew recounts it. He says that these two men would chase people through the graveyards without any clothes on. A little, a little scary. Yep, he was a cutter. He was suicidal. Tried to, tried to kill himself. When you look at this man, this was a man who definitely had some issues. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I saw him, I'm thinking, he's got some issues. You know what I love is Jesus didn't skirt around the issue with him. Jesus addressed the issue, the problem. You're possessed. Christ dealt with the issue in this man's life. And I want you to tell you, I want to tell you tonight, while we understand situations are different, and we'll probably never come across a situation like this, I believe that what we can learn from this is that Jesus went to the source. Christ went to the source. He dealt with the source. Christ did not just give this man a cure-all answer. He dealt with the issue that this man was facing. And can I tell us tonight that if we're going to reach the ones around us, we must be willing to help deal with their issues. We've got to be willing to not just give people rehearsed answers. That's what I find myself doing, and we need to understand that rehearsed answers are not what people need to hear. People need to understand that sin is the problem and Christ is the solution. That's at the root of people's issues, and sometimes we want to, uh, we want to downplay an issue, or we want to, when we're talking with someone about Christ, we don't want to bring up sin or bring up hell or things like that. Listen, Jesus went straight to the issue, and he did it in love. He understood what this man was facing and he went straight to that source. The problem with us sometimes is we don't want to get down and, and we don't want to get into the down and out stuff of people's lives. And I'm not talking, you have to say, now what's your sin that you're dealing with? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that sometimes we want to just kind of breeze over sin and the consequence of sin and just say, well, you just have to believe. And that's not, that's not the idea of sharing the gospel with somebody. Sharing the gospel with someone is helping them understand you're a sinner. And Jesus died for your sin. Your sin and my sin is what nailed him to the cross. It's going to the source. And we don't want to just give them answers that we've learned, but instead help deal with the root of their problem, the root of their life, which is sin. Today, tonight, that we have to not get distracted by busyness. We must be willing to deal with people's issues. Number three, we need to constantly direct people to Christ. If we're going to reach the ones around us, we've got to constantly direct people to Christ. We've already rehearsed the story, but this man was helpless. No drug could help him. No chain chain could bind him. No guard could keep him. But then Jesus comes along and heals him. Jesus was the only answer to this man's need. He was the only solution. 
When it comes to reaching the ones around us, we too must remember that Christ is the only one that can save. He's the only one that can bring healing. People have issues, that's true, but Jesus can deliver. I'm reading a great book right now about the power of prayer and the hand of God working, and in one part of it, the pastor who authored it, he brings to light the fact that a lot of people have a lot of baggage and deal, uh, baggage and issues to deal with, and often they have reasons as to why they're not coming to Christ, and they use maybe a past hurts or past feelings to be the reason they don't come to Christ. And some, they say, well, my upbringing, or well, there's some, they blame it on a, a race issue, or some, they blame it on a traumatic situation. And they'll say, well, this happened to me, and I, I really have a lot to deal with, and so until I deal with this, I, I don't want God in my life. I can remember one man that we witnessed to who was a military veteran, and he said, until I deal with the fact that I have killed people, I could never receive your God. This pastor says in his book that his reply to them is always the same. Yes, those things are real, but you need to understand God is greater. You know what we need to help people see? Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. He's the solution. He's the only answer to everyone's need. The only answer to everyone's need. If we're going to reach the ones around us, we've got to constantly point people to him. Your wisdom of the Bible isn't their answer. You and I, we are not their savior. We are pointing them to him. If we're gonna reach one, don't get distracted by busyness. Number two, be willing to deal with people's issues. Number three, constantly direct people to Christ. Number four, know that doubters will arise. Know that doubters will arise. In the passage, we read that the people come out. They see this man sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, he's completely healed. And yet, they hate it. Here's what one man said about it. He says, he was sensible, who had been completely out of his mind. Instead of being naked, the man was clothed. Instead of wandering aimlessly, the man was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Instead of being in the tombs, the realm of the dead, he was sitting among the living. Instead of shrieking and screaming, the man was quiet. Instead of deadly and threatening, he was peaceful. Instead of tormented, he was comforted. Instead of insanity, there was sanity. Instead of chaos, there was tranquility. It was all because of Jesus. Man, a wonderful change had taken place, hadn't it? I mean, you look, it says in verse number 15, when they'd come, they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And it says that they asked Jesus to leave. They didn't like what they saw. You want to know why? Notice what it says at the end of verse number 15. It says they were afraid. He was totally changed and they didn't like it. Why? Because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? Well, they saw the man sitting and clothed and in his right mind. This man who could not be controlled, this man who they saw and never saw as normal, they were now seeing him as normal and controlled, and they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of the power of God. What were they terrified of? I mean, after all, hadn't he, Jesus, brought safety to something where there uh, was once danger? Hadn't he brought peace to where there was once chaos? What were they afraid of? 
They were afraid of that they, they knew that they were in the presence of God. They knew that this is something only God could do. Like one man said, the sight of this the sight of this made them afraid. It astonished them and forced them to own the power of Christ and that he is worthy to be feared. They knew that what they were seeing was something only God could do. Can I tell you that when you and I step out by faith to reach the ones around us, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be in favor of their family member trusting Christ. Not everyone's going to be in favor of you presenting the gospel at your workplace or with your neighbors. There's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be a fight for souls around us. But that should never stop us from reaching the ones. If we're going to reach our one, number one, don't get distracted by busyness. Number two, be willing to deal with people's issues. Number three, constantly direct people to Christ. Number four, know that doubters will come or will arise. And number five, be determined and know that it's worth it. Be determined and know that it is worth it. I want to wrap up tonight by just telling you this simple phrase. Know what God can do with the ones you reach. If you were to go to our passage, we read verse number 20 that he departed, Jesus departed, and, or excuse me, this man departed and began to publish in Decapolis, those 10 cities, how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. You know, the last person that you would pick to show the power of Christ would be this demon-possessed man. But what do we find him doing? We find him going out and beginning to publish. Well, what was he doing? He was going about telling everybody what happened to him. This shows us a few things about him. Number one, it shows us his gratefulness. Number two, it shows us his care for others. Number three, it shows us uh, his continued, God's continued grace and mercy and the fact that if God can use him, God can use anybody. I mean, here's somebody who is recovering demon-possessed man, and yet he's used to publish abroad the great things that, that Jesus had done. But what it really shows us tonight is what I said just a second ago. You never know what God will do through reaching one. And here's why. A few months after this, Jesus would come back to the region of Decapolis. Mark 7 and Matthew 15 record when Jesus came back to this land. Here's what's recorded in Matthew 15, verses 30 and 31. That when Jesus got to the land, the area of Decapolis, great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus comes back in Matthew 15, and there's a totally different reception in Mark 5, he had been asked to leave. Get out of here. Depart from our coasts. In Matthew 15, they're bringing multitudes to him. Some studies show that it's probably three months later. Why the change? Did Jesus travel in there and preach again? Was he up there again? No. The research that I've done, Jesus never went back to Decapolis in between Mark 5 and Matthew 15. You know what the only explanation is? One man. He began to publish, to make known. God used one to impact so many. I just want to tell you, you never know what God can do. When you step out by faith, 
and you reach one. Well, how do I do it? Don't get distracted by busyness. Don't be too busy for the people that are around you. Number two, be willing to deal with people's issues. Don't just have a rehearsed answer. Be willing to get down to, no, this is sin, and we need Jesus. Number three, constantly direct people to Christ. You're not the Savior. You're just sent to direct them to the Savior. Number four, know that doubters will arise. And then number five, be determined to know that it's worth it. I want to ask you tonight to think about who's your one. Who will be your one this year? I hope that you and I would be willing to see a lot of ones. But I want to ask you to pray and genuinely seek the Lord this year and ask him to give you one person. God, give me one person that I can lead to you. Every single one of us this year led one person to the Lord and got them discipled and in church. I wonder what God could do with those ones. But it takes us getting past ourselves, moving past the busyness and the distractions and understanding that one is important. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.